Coming up this hour on The Common Good, we're going to talk about last night's uh, Michael Jordan documentary, and then we're going to talk about something called quarantine fatigue. That's coming up next here on The Common Good. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us on this uh, Monday afternoon. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. Find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Online, 1160hope.com. And Ian, we still have a podcast. Can you believe it? Where can they get our podcast? Literally, just walk outside your house and yell podcast <laughs> into the void. It's so accessible. I'm convinced that will somehow get you to our podcast. You'll start hearing our voices coming from the trees. Right. And, and yeah, our podcast might sound like angry neighbors. That's part of what we were going for. That's the vibe we were trying to create. Oh, well, it is Monday. There's still weird days now that we're all confined to our houses. But how's your Monday going? More importantly, how was your weekend? Oh, my weekend was pretty lovely. The weather held out we had some uh some zoom dates are you guys doing zoom dates yet are you guys making that a thing no zoom dates as in like you and your wife well like double dates like another couple that we really like and we'll like hey let's open a bottle of pinot and uh zoom date a little bit that sounds like a wonderful idea we didn't we don't really have friends so i'm just kidding no we have not uh we have not done that do you guys like just talk or play a board game what's going on during the zoom so yeah so far it's been mostly board games but the other thing that's been happening which has been a riot are like people from previous churches um my student leadership team previous small groups have been like randomly getting together so i'm getting links like hey what are you doing in 15 minutes we're all on zoom right now and a lot of them have discovered some of these like really wonderful like interactive online games that interface with Zoom really nicely. So people people are getting really creative and it's been it's been really fun actually to connect with people that you maybe don't even live that That's geographically right. far away but you haven't connected with in a long time and so because everyone's sort of, you know, a little landlocked right now, it's been uh, that's been pretty nice. So what we have done twice now with my oldest daughter's like her three best friends or so, their families. So the four families have done Kahoot, uh, like trivia game <laughs> nice. uh, on our TVs. That's been really fun, like families versus families. That's been fun. I love that. We're all learning new ways to socialize right now. So uh, we're glad that you're joining us today here on The Common Good. Last night, uh, I know you're a little behind with it with because uh, I think Netflix and all, but was the episodes three and four of The Last Dance. I would highly encourage you, Ian, to see these two because they focus in on your favorite team, the Detroit Pistons. Well, Brian, I can't see any of them here because they're coming to Netflix, but not in the United States. So is that right? Yeah, yeah. Australia and Canada and um, I think maybe the UK, but not not here, not here in the US. Oh, I just figured there'd be a delay. Oh, that's too bad. Nope. Okay. Uh, But yeah, last night was also focused on Dennis Rodman and. Uh, first of all, this uh, this documentary series has not disappointed. It has been phenomenal, especially if you grew up a basketball fan, a sports fan, but especially like a Jordan fan. Uh, right. But last night focused in a lot on Dennis Rodman. And if you know anything about the 90s Bulls and the early, late 80s, early 90s Pistons, when Rodman was on the Pistons, right. uh, Rodman had a bit of a train wreck of a life. Uh, even when he was playing basketball, he uh, reportedly was found with a gun being a bit suicidal when he was with uh-huh. the Pistons. Right. Uh, and then he just kind of went crazy with the Bulls. But yet part of last night's thing was about how he always showed up 
when they need him to show up. But there's part of it last night, man, where they, in the middle of the 98 season, they give him a, a what's supposed to be a 48-hour vacation to to Las Vegas, and he's gone for like 100 hours, and Michael Jordan has to go pull him out of his hotel room to come back to the team. And uh, But it was kind of glorified and kind of almost funny. And then I saw this tweet from Derwin, uh, Derwin Gray, uh, former NFL player, now a pastor in North Carolina of Transformation Church, and uh, he wrote this during uh, during the broadcast last night. I wonder what you think of it. He said, what if the Bulls forced him to enter rehab and brain health their therapy with a psychiatrist instead of enabling him to play basketball? Kind of sad, man. His life was a train wreck post-basketball. I found that really interesting because a lot of times we like uh, we don't think about our our sports heroes, right? Other than can they rebound or can they pl- play? But this right. is a former professional athlete. I thought making a really interesting point there. Well, and we've seen, uh, I think, a surge, not just in basketball. Remember when there was like a lot of buzz about uh, concussion research in the NFL? Right. And there, I yep. feel like we're wising up to these things a lot more in the last 10 years. Or maybe we're not wising up to them. Maybe we're just caring more. Like part of me is torn a little bit. I think ultimately Derwin is right. Uh, the other part of me wonders, like, at what point are you or are you not your brother's keeper? Like what, That's we, right. what we know about these bulls and what the kind of like brotherhood they had, but there was also all sorts of drama too. Like I'm trying to, I'm, I've never been a professional or amateur basketball player for that. Matter. <laughs> so, I don't really know, but like if it was somebody that I was doing that kind of life with, I would hope to think I would, I would have enough wherewithal to say, Hey man, we love you and we will legitimately miss your absence if that's required. But we care about you as a person more right. than the contribution to the team. And you're not well. And again, maybe Maybe he was an impossible person to try to, like, have that conversation with. I don't know. Right. It, it felt like uh, I, I look forward to whatever day it is you're finally able to watch this documentary because it felt like they said, we're going to let Dennis be Dennis until uh, it hurts the team. And that's kind mm-hmm. of the way it went. Mm-hmm. Um, with the coronavirus still going on in the pandemic, uh, just catching up a little bit. I wanted to get your thoughts with the last couple minutes in this segment of something I saw on the Today Show today. Uh, and there was an article also that's being written around about it. I'd encourage you to Google uh, out there quarantine fatigue. Uh, and here's this what this term now means. It is that a lot of us, even in states that aren't starting to open up, we're starting to hit this stage. The weather's getting nice. We've been at this for a while. A lot of us don't have a lot of good friends who are sick and not mm-hmm. really seeing where we're getting kind of. Whereas before we were like hardcore following the rules. Now, quarantine fatigue says, ah, I could cut some corners here. Ah, you know, let, let's go see that person. It won't be that big a deal. We're healthy. Mm-hmm. They're healthy. And uh, I wonder, I've, I, when I watch this, I looked at it and I said, I feel that way completely right now. Like this mm-hmm. kind of fatigue and kind of letting my guard down. I wonder if you're feeling that way at all. And what is the danger, if any, if, uh, if a lot of us start feeling this way? I mean, I think that tendency is normal, right? It's sort of like you make a New Year's resolution. Let's say it's uh, diet related and you're really committed for the first month or so. And then you're like, ah, what's one donut going to hurt or what's yeah. one pizza or whatever. The problem is like a cheat day, like most nutritionists I know would say cheat, cheat day is actually good and healthy. Like those should be built into the plan. The problem with the pandemic, though, is that a cheat day could have. I mean, massive ramifications could have, right. though. and that is the air quotes that I think everyone kind of lives in the could have space. And we bring all this rationale like, well, I don't know anyone who has it. So maybe I the thing I've been trying to do and my wife is so much better at this than I am, like really trying to keep at the forefront 
opinions and feedback and research and data and updates from like our friends in the medical field. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, like we were talking, we've talked about this numerous times the last month. There are cert- certain days where you're like, it doesn't feel like a global crisis. Like my family and I just went for a walk and had a barbecue. Right. It was great. You know, <laughs> so like not, not in a fear mongery way, but like making sure that we're being really intentional about getting news and updates from people that we really trust who have um, clout and authority in that field. And that, for me, has kind of helped us, I think, maintain like, okay, we feel this fatigue, but so-and-so is a nurse down the road, and she really suggested otherwise. So we're going to trust her, even though right now maybe our our gut feels differently, you know? That's right. That's right. So I'd encourage you out there, if you've not heard that term, Google this new term, quarantine fatigue. Some fascinating articles out there. Uh, It's kind of this uh, next wave here of how everyone's uh, dealing with this. We see some states reopening, a lot of beaches being reopened, some restaurants uh, in Georgia and other things. So an interesting time to see what this next stage is of the coronavirus pandemic. Well, we're glad you're joining us today on this Monday afternoon. Coming up next, I want to talk about what is the quarantine uh, doing to marriages. Uh, some some of these are funny, but some of these get really serious. I want to talk about that next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. Thank you for joining us on this Monday afternoon. As always, find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's where we put up all the articles we've been talking about and even some that we haven't talked about. And it's your chance to weigh in and to give your opinion, talk to some other people. Also, if you've got ideas of things you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, the Facebook page is a great place to make those suggestions. Uh, Also, find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk, online at 1160hope.com podcast, uh, wherever it is you get your podcast. So I want to talk, Ian, about... um, some of the ramifications, some of the effects of all of us being with our families so many more hours a day. And I want to start with the more serious one and then back out just a little bit. This article came out uh, just uh, recently at the Chicago Sun-Times, and it says this, uh, Chicago domestic violence calls are up 18% in the first weeks of the coronavirus shutdown says wow. domestic violence calls are up with people cooped up at home and stressing over coronavirus and paying bills. Comparing the period from February 21st to March 8th before Governor Pritzker's first shelter in place order, comparing that with March 20th to April 5th, after we were all told to stay home, calls to the Chicago Police Department specifically about domestic violence increased 18 uh, percent. I'm guessing that doesn't surprise you, does it? It doesn't, sadly. I, I did not realize the numbers, though. The percentage increase is startling enough, but it says during the period of February 21st to March 8th, the police got 7,870 domestic violence calls, and there were 9,298 wow. such calls after the shutdown, according to Chicago police data. That is the part that surprises me. Like the whole story is gut wrenching and heartbreaking. I mean, I'm embarrassed that I did not realize the numbers were that high normally, to be honest. That is terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it says later on the ho- this hotline, and I'll give you this number here, but the hotline typically gets 50 to 60 calls a day. It got 104 calls on March 30th and 107 calls on April 
uh, the 13th, the highest daily number in the organization's history. And so I guess I'd end this part with this. If, if you're somebody uh, who is facing abuse, uh, who is in a situation like this, there's a toll-free Illinois domestic violence hotline. Let me give you the number. It operates 24 hours a day. 1-877-863-6338. That's 877-863-6338. And uh, please do what you got to do to get your help. Uh, the, other, the other thing that I've seen, too, has been really clever is I've seen a lot of people posting different variations on Facebook and Twitter where they'll say, hey, if you're in a situation uh, that's dangerous for you and you send me a message asking about the earrings I'm making or the baked goods that I provide yeah. and they're not and they and they provide like three or four different like code phrases. Like if you ask how much they cost, then I'll know that you're in trouble. If you ask, you know, for shipment, then I'll send the, you know, I'll call the cops on your behalf or something. Like I've seen a bunch of people posting things really creatively to help their friends know, Hey, you know, because part of the problem is sometimes they, if you're in a situation like this, you can't get away to make a phone call. So to have friends that are saying, Hey, if you ask me about this baked goods thing, which they're not actually selling, here are the different code phrases you can use. Um, and if you know somebody, maybe that's a helpful way that you can actually reach out to them because really good. that is really, really terrifying. And I think, yeah, again, 877-863-6338. Uh, if you can, if you're in a place that's dangerous, please, please, please get some help. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, a lot of us joke about being locked up with our families right now, but, but if that were your situation, that would be terrifying. Yeah. No um, kidding. So backing it up a little bit from the serious to a little bit less serious, um, at the Gospel Coalition, they wrote an article called Help, I'm Irritated with My Work From Home Husband. And so it's a late, it's a stay-at-home mom by the name of Amy uh, DeMarcangelo. And part of the article is about her, her like uh, jealousy of wishing she was working with him, but also just this irritation. That's what one I want to talk about. Uh, now that we are all home so much more, uh, whether it was one of the spouses who normally was leaving for work or both spouses or while the kids are at school and now the kids are home, Let's uh, let's talk about just the natural irritation and struggles that can come for married couples now that they're around each other so much. I saw a funny meme the other day where it's a wife looking at a husband and she's and it's she's saying, uh, why are you blinking so loudly? <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> oh, gosh, what would you say to people who are like, you know what? I love my wife. I love my husband, but they're just really getting on my nerves. How would you tell them to deal with it? And maybe what are some more proactive steps where we can still take this opportunity and and be building in positive things so we don't get to that point. But instead, this time begins to be one where we're growing our marriages. What kind of comes to mind for you? Well, first off, I'm the least qualified person in the universe. Don't be your pastor. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, I could tell you a little bit about what the Hebrew means in that weird. Pastor <laughs> in uh, yeah, I mean, by the grace of God, we've certainly figured some stuff out. But there's I mean, we have a long way to go still, even in like. Sure. How do we navigate this new reality? One of the things that's kind of been a lifeline for us is we have this weekly marriage journal that we go. We got it well before any of this, but it is. And this is going to seem so obvious to a lot more of like the married veterans. But like it asks really blunt, honest questions. And there's some rhythms that are built into it about asking, you know, where do you need help? Or is there something that you need to confess or something that's been weighing on you that you haven't communicated and the hope is that we're all sharing these things all the time with our spouses. Yes. But the rhythms are weird now. And anything that maybe that we did, were in the habit of doing, a lot of us are, are maybe finding it hard to build back in. And so we found like having a marriage journal, having a, th- you know, and trying to guard date night, even if it's just 
<laughs> Lubonati's in a Netflix movie. Like right. that kind of stuff isn't like a catch all, but it certainly helps. But I would say building in some kind of like weekly or daily touch point where you have a system or a rubric where like, Hey, we're going to once a day, we're going to ask these four questions and it's, we need like total honesty from each other that like have some ground rules. Um, that kind of stuff can be really, really helpful. And a lot of, honestly, a lot of, uh, counseling offices, a lot of therapists are offering, uh, teletherapy right now. And right. insurance is covering a whole lot more than they used to. If you're at a place where you're like, man, we could really use some professional help right now might be a really, really great time to do a little exploring because of how much coverage there is. And so you set up a once a week or twice a month, like zoom meeting with somebody who can help you kind of untangle the ball of yarn a little bit. And I think, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of prioritizing that. Do you have tips or tricks or ideas? See, you do have stuff to say. See, those were good. Those were good. (laughs) Most of my stuff is like, seek help from experts, like (laughs) other other people who are better at it. So you touched on one that's really important. I think right now there's so much, you know, most of us think of dates as like, we got to get dressed up and go out to dinner or we got to go to a movie. And now we can't do those things. Um, And so it's getting creative. What can a date look like? And also secondarily, I think, a lot of us are having to put in a lot of time as to like making sure our kids are okay, school and other things. And right. it's all about the kids. And so uh, like my wife and I, sometimes it's just like, Hey, we've been going on a lot of family walks, but this walk's just going to be the two of us. Like we're going to go for the walk right, right now and, right. and just talk and just be without, just be just together. I know some families uh, who like, instead of one of the spouses going to Costco, they leave the kids at home and both of them go to Costco <laughs> and like go mm-hmm. navigate that together. Like, I think a little bit of it is lowering that bar of what we've always considered to be a date, right? Quote, unquote, dressed up, going out. And instead, seeing that date time is just time together, Uh, just time. Because in the house, especially like a house like mine with three kids and uh, and it just gets crazy, right? It's just 24 hour craziness of all of us trying to endure and figure all this out. That mm-hmm. you've got to still the same reason you and your wife have date night each week. It's the same concept now, right? Like we still got to build into each other uh, and connect because this is going to continue to be stressful. Like uh, it's not a this is a stressful time for marriages, for parents, for everybody. And so we got to guard against that. So I mean, I like yeah. that marriage journal. That was a good one, though. I hadn't thought about that one. <laughs> it's been helpful for us, man. As cheesy as it might sound, it's been really helpful. That's good. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk about finances and and during this COVID-19 time. And also we're going to hear from uh, we're going to read an article from Dave Ramsey. And so we're going to talk about finances and the pandemic coming up next year on The Common Good. AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us on this Monday afternoon. Uh, we're glad to have you with us. In just a second here, we're going to talk about an article, an interview that Dave Ramsey did. Many of you know Dave Ramsey. Uh, he, he Financial Peace University. Uh, he's all about budgeting and how to help people with their finances. Uh, but before that, speaking of people uh, and organizations that are great in helping people with their finances, Ian, tell us a little bit more about Thrivent. Yeah, man. Let me tell you a little bit about Thriving. Okay, so Thriving Financial. I've been a Thriving member in like seven years, eight years. I love Thriving. You can go to Thriving.com to learn more. Uh, in case you're looking for a career change, by the way, which I know a lot of people are, you can go to Thriving.com slash careers. Highly recommend you explore that option. But also in the midst of these kind of uncertain times, they're hosting 
a bunch of webinars and they've made them totally for free. And they're all about how do I deal with stress or how do I maintain joy or how do I establish new rhythms or whatever? Like they're, they're creating this content for people to actually get a better handle on these new normals. And uh, there's a whole bunch to choose from. I think there's three or four more left in the next week or so. We're posting links and schedules and all that. The Facebook page, the common good radio show, but I can't encourage you enough again. They're totally free. They're big names. They're really, really thoughtful experts in their field. And uh, they're, they're trying to address the kinds of questions that like real people are actually having. So again, head over yeah, to the Facebook yeah, page or go to thriving.com. Yeah, that was really good. Well done. Well done. Thanks, uh, Dave Ramsey writes all sorts of, he's got, he's got shows and podcasts, all sorts of stuff around financial peace and how to help people get out of debt. Uh, and so he's running a virtual event based on the principles of financial peace university. Uh, to kind of help people in this time. And so I found this interview that he did. So let me give you some of what he has said, and maybe you can uh, react to these. And I I would acknowledge, uh, I know a lot of people who like swear by Dave Ramsey, like uh, if whatever Dave Ramsey says is gospel when it comes to money. And I know people who uh, don't like what he says at all and kind of are against what he says. We totally get that. People are all over the place on Dave Ramsey, but Uh, Let's see what he had to say. They asked him, what advice would you give to families who may feel hopeless in what's happening right now? He says, this too shall pass. Uh, We're going to get through this. You just need a plan. So start by looking at the facts. Fear is never a great financial advisor. Hmm. Uh, If you lost your job, find something, anything to bring money in. Ramsey said there are plenty of places hiring. It may not be a dream job, uh, but it'll help you with food, utilities, shelter, and transportation. If you're doing great financially, give back and help those who are in your community. How about that? Uh, this too shall pass and just find money wherever you can. What do you find that helpful? Uh, I don't know that I necessarily find it helpful. I find it to be true. I mean, that's always like a bit of a, that's a bit of a dance a little bit when someone's legitimately fearful and you say, Hey, don't be fearful. Um, like we do this in sermonizing too, though, right? Like, Hey, the Bible says, don't be anxious. So stop being anxious. I, I think sometimes people are like, yeah, I would like to not be anxious. I like the phrase fear is never a great financial advisor. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I do think he is right that this too shall pass again. I just sometimes wonder if, if that's actually helpful, the, what is helpful to right. me are like the listings of places that are actually hiring. Um, because I think it is easy to get a little tunnel vision and forget that there still are jobs available that's not to say that it isn't still uh, like a massive hit to your equilibrium if you've been used to going one direction and now you have to like course correct. But yeah, I'd give that answer a B. Okay. Uh, if that if that were me in high school, I would have been happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question for him. Do you have any advice for small business owners who are struggling to keep the doors open? He says, above all else, you must control the controllables. This has been an unprecedented storm and we've had the plywood on the windows for weeks What we found speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs around the country is that the ones staying above water right now understand that they are not victims of their circumstances. Again, it's kind of what he said before. Start by looking at the facts and don't focus on fear. He interestingly tells people in small businesses not to take uh, the small business administration loan and those kind of things. But kind of that same message, right? Don't live by fear and, and get to know your facts and make your decisions based on facts and not fear. Well, and he's again, this is sort of his bread and butter, right? He's talking about both yes. of these programs require small business owners to take loans. He goes, yes, a L-O-A-N. That means you're <laughs> borrowing money. This is not a handout. You're not getting free money from the government. He says most small business owners need to boost your cash flow right now. So we recommend taking advantage of changes 
uh, of the changes the CARES Act has made to existing tax policies that affect small businesses like the employee retention credit and the deferred payment of employee payroll taxes. Both of these tax credits put cash in your pocket without borrowing a dime. That's what we call a smart business decision. (laughs) <laughs> he he does not like loans that's for sure not at uh, someone asked him i found this interesting can you please explain what the four walls are he says the four walls uh are food shelter utilities transportation these are your basic necessities they are the things you could take care of they're the things you take care of first every month and in that order put food on your table first then keep the lights on then pay the mortgage last uh, last, make sure you can get to and from work, your gas and transportation costs. Remember, don't put your FICA score above keeping food on your table. I think this is helpful right now in sense of figure out your priorities in your budget right now, right? Like what are the most important things? And he says, those are the four, four walls. I think those are pretty helpful. Yeah. And he's got stuff elsewhere too. That's pretty helpful. Like if you've never made a budget before where he actually breaks down again, in big, like sweeping terms, like regardless of what you're making, here's the percentages that should be attributed to each. That's um, right. So we, you know, and that's part of the success of Financial Peace University, I think, is not that it's mind-melting economic wizardry, but it's like, oh, it's good, clear, concise. I don't necessarily always agree with either the methodology or the conclusion, but it's definitely solid, and I think the proof is in the pudding that he's helped, what, millions of people at this point, I imagine. So there's there's some benefit to that, I think, and maybe – Maybe that's actually really helpful for people. I think it's also part of the genius of CAP, right? Christians Against Poverty is mm. coming alongside people to really help educate them in a way. And it's partnering with the local church so that people can not just sort of uh, not just survive, but thrive, you know, to actually yeah. pull themselves up out of this hole. And I think that's important. That's good. Something Ramsey's organization has put out is the every dollar budgeting app. Uh, and yeah. that's what we use. We use that every that's our go-to budgeting app. I'd encourage okay. people if you're looking for a budgeting app, it's called every dollar. Uh, let me close with this. They asked him, what's your go-to verse for handling financial anxiety and stress? He says, when you use the Bible as a compass, you're not lost anymore. There are 2,500 scriptures on how to handle money and possessions. Follow them. Jeremiah 29, 11, for God has a plan for you, plan to prosper you, not to harm you, plan to give you a hope and a future. I'm not sure that's the best go-to verse on money, but what would you say uh, <laughs> in general about, uh, you know, we use a lot of verse of money. You and I have preached many sermons on money. Um, what are the helpful verses right now for people to hold on to, maybe as they're experiencing economic uh, hardship like they've never experienced before? Oh, gosh, you're going you're gonna to ambush me with that question. Well, um, I'm the one who just said he picked a bad verse. <laughs> that's, that's true. And then you're like, all right, pastor, come up with verses off the top of your head. I think <laughs> I think it's Matthew six. The one that always stands out to me when Jesus says where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. It's sort Mm -hmm. of this way of like, Hey, do you want to know what you really care about? Like, look at what you spend your money on. And regardless of where you kind of like land economically, like part of what Ramsey's saying about the order in which we should be taking care of these things. The truth is for a lot of us, especially if those things are more than taken care of, you know, we can be really undisciplined in our other spending. And that does reveal something about the nature of our heart. I've always just found that to be, I really concise words from Jesus personally. What, what about you? Do you have verses or parables that kind of come to mind? Yeah, I do think all of those teachings on contentment, like where is our actual contentment found? Um, because so many of us link our contentment to the size of our bank account and the even our job, like what we are. We put our identity there. And I think wrestling with what does it mean to be content uh, 
knowing who we are in Christ, I think is really important in these times where money's really stressful. And I also think it's really important to be reminded that God says, uh, I will be with you always, even when you don't have money. (laughs) Like that that promise of his peace, I think is the great antidote to fear right now. Um, As opposed to this promise of like, no, your money will come back. I I think is, it might not, it might not. And I I would, again, encourage people listening to go read first Timothy six, particularly first Timothy six. Oh, I think it's, 18 or 19 and Paul's instructing the young Timothy and he's like, teach them to not put their hope in wealth, but to be generous. And he says at the end, so they can take hold of the life that is truly life. Like he links this idea of generosity to like a life that we're really meant to live. I've always found that passage to be really, really helpful. It's really good. That's really good. So you can read this at our Facebook page, but an important discussion with all that's going on right now, uh, financially and all, and everything else that this pandemic is doing to our culture. So coming up next, uh, we're going to talk parenting and specifically this, does having kids make you happier or less happy? That's coming up next here on the common good AM 1160. Hope for your life. Everybody, welcome back to the Common Good AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us here on this Monday afternoon. Find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show online, 1160hope.com, on Twitter uh, at Common Good Talk, and get our podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Ian even said in the first, first beginning part of the show, just go outside and yell, and, and the podcast will appear. It's that's that simple. So uh, we are Kinda glad. Like Michael for- Scott just declaring bankruptcy. <laughs> I love that one. (laughs) Michael, that's not how it works. (laughs) I think it's Michael, you can't just yell bankruptcy and expect anything to happen. And he goes, I didn't yell it. I declared it. (laughs) I love that one. I declare. (laughs) That's really funny. Uh, But before we get into this next article and this conversation about does parenting make you happy or less happy, uh, according to some data that just came out. Uh, I do want to tell you about something that's going on here at the radio station, because during the coronavirus pandemic, we do know that so many businesses have had to close their doors or reduce their hours. And but we also know that there are still many businesses that are open and serving the public as best they can. So if you own or run a business that's open and operating, we want to help you get the word out. So right now, go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. All one word, 1160hope.com slash open for business. Fill out the brief form, and we're going to begin compiling all of that information and sharing it with our listeners. Totally free, no catch. Go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. Really good, Brian. My goodness. Like you, you're just the, the king of affirmation. I do appreciate it. Um, wow, that, that in and of itself was an affirmation. So thank you. <laughs> so this article at BigThink.com at BigThink uh, asks this question. Uh, what is de- decades of data uh, suggests? Uh, th- does, does it suggest that parenthood makes people more happy or less happy? What is going on in this article? And then we're going to discuss whether we're surprised by it. Well, Brian, I'd like to tell you my computer just froze. So let's see how long I can just simply make up stuff to say while my computer tries to. And here it is. It's back. Okay. I was so, say, or I can read it. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. I like the challenge. Felt like a, like a game of chicken with the radio. Um, so here's how it starts. It says, how does one live a happy, meaningful life? That's a question that a lot of people perhaps are asking. 
For many, the answer is, at least in part, raising children. Watching a child grow and learn about the world is a joyous experience, and the time spent providing unconditional love and care offers spiritual dividends. Then, in our golden years, children can be a source of palliative comfort. This view is so entrenched in our culture that many people, especially women, are pressured by friends and family into having children and feel they must justify their reason not to. As is often the case, social realities proves more complicated than the worldview learned at Mother's Knee. Decades of research has compared the happiness and well-being of parents to non-parents, and the verdict is in. A lot of parents are less happy than their childless peers, but not all of them. And just as, as an aside, this is a segment I would love to hear from Marcus Brown about because this is a conversation <laughs> that we've had uh, yes. a number of times. But that's the premise, though, right? Like, do... Does having kids make you more happy? To which I imagine a lot of people would say that's not the point. Um, but why don't you? Uh, yeah, why don't you get into the weeds on this a little? Oh, I think uh, what you say there, and I'll read some more of this. But I think uh, that what should be hanging over this discussion is that's not the point. Exactly what you said. Um, but let me read some more of this. Headlines claiming parents to be more dejected than non-parents certainly grab our attention. But such stories are hardly news. Empirical studies have been tracing out this pattern since the 1970s. And then they give three sample papers that you can read about here. It says the happiness gap was the widest in the United States, Hmm. where parents were 12 percent less cheerful than childless adults. Fourteen other countries, uh, Ireland, Greece, Britain, New Zealand, Switzerland and Australia, among them also showed a less than sunny outlook for parents, but not as large as the U.S., does that surprise you or what were reason would you think that the gap is the biggest in the United States? <laughs> I think because we're obsessed with happiness, probably. <laughs> I, I think uh, I might get in trouble for some. Of this. Do it. I, Do I it. Happiness in some ways is the great idol of American culture. It is. Please it explain is the, that. And I totally agree with you, but please explain that. It's the thing that we elevate above almost anything like a modern definition for me of an idol isn't like a gold statue or something that you bow down to or some kind of dark ominous spirit or force it's a good thing that we make an ultimate thing happiness is a good thing but when we use that as our bullseye for all of our decisions and i think i think neuroscience backs this up this isn't just speaking like as a pastor from some like nebulous spiritual perspective I think when we make happiness the pursuit, uh, it leads to some inevitable discouragement and often worse. In fact, I remember Sean Aker did a TED talk about happiness. And he says, this is the way the brain works. We set up for ourselves a goal marker of like a salary amount or square footage of a house. And once we get that thing, we're happy for about 12 seconds. And then our brain just moves the goalpost. And anyone who's ever had that experience where you told yourself, man, once I'm married, or once I have kids, or once I'm making this dollar amount, then I'll be happy. You you know that it just didn't deliver like the long term dividends you thought that it would. And uh, I think, and again, I've only ever lived in America, so what do I know? But I think that it that is one of the great pursuits that I think often distracts other disciplines and other formative practices, especially here in the United States. And I think that's part of the part of the issue. So I'd encourage the article is actually a lot longer than I thought. I did encourage people to go read it on our Facebook page. I guess I would ask you this question. I had kids younger than you. I had them younger in my life than you did. Um, so here, let's ask it this way. <laughs> Why do you think people are saying it makes them less happy? And what, 
What would you say to somebody who's like, listen, Ian, I, I don't I'm just going to choose not to have kids because I want to be happy. Like, is there anything wrong with that? And how would you counsel them uh, as they're saying, yeah, you know, I just I want to have a happy life. Yeah, I wouldn't go full Marcus Brown on this one. I think if uh, <laughs> if you're married and the two of you prayerfully have come to the conclusion that yeah, just I don't think kids are for us. I, I'm actually maybe more OK with that than others. Um, but. I would ask some tough questions as to why, like I, you know, we'll be honest and we've been honest even on the show. I have a one and two year old at home in quarantine. It's tough. Like it's been, it's been the source of some stress and some fights and some, Oh my gosh, what are we doing? Like that's real. And you don't outgrow that, but like becoming a dad, being a father has been one of the most like wonderful form I've ever done. And that's not to diminish not having kids at all. I think, I think you can, I think the the pendulum can swing too far both ways where, your whole identity is wrapped up in being a parent or you don't even, maybe I'll even say it this way. I think there are plenty of parents who have completely forfeited or foregone the thought of ever being happy because like, well, I'm a parent now and this is just my cross to bear. Like, <laughs> no, it's still worthwhile. And I would say even biblically significant to keep pursuing joy. It's just a matter of like, where's that joy found and yeah. knowing the difference between joy and happiness. We could talk about that for hours, but I, I just, I just think, Either extreme is unhelpful, and it is. They're both hard. They're both hard in different ways. In the same way, marriage and singleness are both hard. They're, it's yep. difficult in different ways. It's all. It's all about where do you find your identity? Where do you find your sustenance? And I think when you get that out of whack, everything else tends to sort of skew. I think that's well put. I don't think we need to shame people who choose not to have kids, right. but of course, I, I do think like in my own life, children, the presence of children in my house has made for some unique stressors in my marriage, in my own life. It's put up a mirror in front of me. Um, but it also, I would never, I would never trade it. Right. Like I would right. never trade it. I think the most important part of this conversation that you helped unpack is just the idol of happiness. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. If happiness is the end goal at all times, there's a lot of things that are probably good for me that I'm not going to do. And and it's going to I'm going to make some pretty self-centered choices all throughout my life, whether it's in this or with other things. Right. Uh, and I think that that's a good thing to think about, about this idol uh, of happiness. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk about this growing uh, movement and trend of churches wanting to reopen. And what's behind that? We're going to talk about that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about churches wanting to reopen quickly. And then we're going to talk to Dave Sparkman from Crossroads Career Ministries. That's coming up next year on The Common Good. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us on this Monday evening. Hope that you're having a good day, most likely at home. Uh, still, uh, we're all in our shelter in place. Has it struck you in that we at best still have over a month of this stay at home? Is that a, does that ever overwhelm you or is this just kind of a day by day deal? Yeah. I don't know what it says about me, man. I don't, it hasn't overwhelmed me. That regard hasn't. Certainly there are yeah. moments, um, like if my boys are having a meltdown you're like, okay, I can't right. even take them to the, like, we, you know, the, the children's museum or to the gym at the church right. and that kind of stuff. I miss some of the more outlet type stuff, but like day to day, I feel like we're just kind of powering through and we're a little bit in a rhythm and we have good days and bad days. The nice weather helps a ton. 
Um, I went running the other day. That was a bad decision. I don't know why. Good I thought for that you. Was, <laughs> that was a bad why? decision. <laughs> and the felt so well. It's been it's been a hot minute since I actually ran ran with any distance or speed, and I was like, Poof, I really overshot on that one. So we're recovering now, but uh, yeah, we're doing okay. Do you feel like you guys are sort of finding a some level of equilibrium? Most days, most days, but uh. You know, and I've even had to be like, you know what? I'm not going to feel guilty about enjoying all this family time. Like, I'm, I'm going to feel good about it. And, uh, yeah, it's got its days. I, you put it really well. I miss the outlets, right? The kids' baseball games or softball games or, or going out to eat or doing these other things. But by and large, everyone, we're doing okay. Uh, so as we know, Ian and I are both pastors. Uh, I'm at Four Corners Community Church in Darien. Ian's at the Yellow Box Community Christian Church in Naperville. And, uh, and so we're both uh, navigating what's what's this mean for churches, churches still being closed, doing clothed, closed, doing everything virtual <laughs> and uh, and trying to figure out how to best navigate all that. And so what you're seeing on the news now is a lot of churches, especially in the in, in areas that are starting to reopen. Uh, one of the big pushes is to get churches reopened. So let me highlight two of these things. Okay. Uh, at the Christian Post, it says this opening churches stores a priority for Americans, Paul says. It says a new survey shows that Americans want gathering in homes and churches to be allowed right away when the lockdown ends. Asked to prioritize the reopening of various activities, half of the respondents said that allowing people to gather in small groups at someone's home should happen right away. And 35% said churches and other religious gatherings should also come open right away. Does it surprise you at all that the opening of the churches uh, is that high on the list and such a focus for people, or is that not a surprise to you? No, it doesn't surprise me. I don't know why it doesn't surprise me, but I, I read that earlier and I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this other article out of Christian headlines, conservative group calls for quote, reopen church Sunday. A conservative law firm re- uh, launched a reopen church Sunday initiative this week, calling on churches to begin gathering in person again, despite reports of the deadly novel coronavirus being spread during worship services. The campaign is organized by Liberty Council, which created a website for the initiative encouraging Christian leaders to begin holding in-person worship the weekend of May the 3rd. That's this weekend, just days ahead of the National Day of Prayer on May the 7th. Uh, Matt Staver, founder of Liberty Council, said there's a lot of practical ways that churches can begin thinking through the process of reopening and at the same time protecting the health of all its participants in the community and then giving alternative options. Staver's campaign suggests churches take a phased approach, allowing some worshipers to gather in person while maintaining social distancing, uh, while also having at-risk people at home live via, via the live stream. The campaign's website also contains a list of suggested safety measures, such as sanitizing worship spaces and checking temperatures at the door. He said, we're encouraging this to begin the process of reopening, not to fill the sanctuaries to maximum uh, capacity. It goes on to give more details. Um, How does that strike you? Does this does this feel really premature to you? Now, our state's a little different. Like we couldn't do this right now, but. Does this push strike you as misguided and premature? What is the danger in in a campaign like this, in your opinion? I mean, I'm clearly not an expert in any of the categories mentioned in this article. So I'll I'll add anything I say following with a little grain of salt or a lot of grain of salt. Um, It feels potentially a little premature to me based on what I'm reading. But 
we and we shared a bunch of stuff over the weekend even of new data that's come out and accusations of inflated numbers and studies to show that like maybe this method of quarantining isn't actually as effective as we thought it was there's i mean there's obviously a lot of there's a lot of different perspectives here right you've mentioned before that you're not totally convinced that motives are are pure <laughs> yeah that is le- that is less about like hey no it's uh, it's safe it's the right thing to do you you've kind of alluded a couple times that some of these decisions feel like they're motivated by greed or political alignment or or just even like the desire to have a platform again they, do you still feel some of that about these moves uh, some of them, for sure. When you hear the people talk, it feels like grandstanding to me. Uh, not all of them. I don't want to paint with a broad brush here, but certainly some of them feel like I want to get my name out there. Uh, you know, uh, maybe a feel of like uh, we're standing up for religious freedom. And, and this there's been this weird tie for me. Some of you out there were going to wholeheartedly disagree with what I'm about to say. For me, this isn't a, a, a issue of religious freedom and uh, First Amendment and all that stuff. For me, this is like, what's the safest thing to do culturally for public health? Right. Um, but I understand the debate that's going on there. You know, in the first hour, I talked about um, quarantine fatigue and this feel of like, really, is it really hurting us? Can't we just be smart about this? And I think that this all remains to be seen. But I, I do think it has been interesting to me that I feel I hear such a big push for let's open up uh, let's open up churches, let's open up churches, let's open up churches, uh, even more than I'm hearing it, at least in my circles about let's open up schools or let's open up, you know, restaurants or movie theaters. There's something, and I miss gathering, but there are some of these where it, it feels like some people are taking the approach that like by not gathering, we just can't be the church. Hmm. And uh, I, I think that's an interesting part of this conversation as well. I heard of a church, uh, my dad sent me the article uh, there is a church, and this is great if if this is what they want to do uh, in Indiana. That's going to held ten person services thirty times this week, so wow. thirty gatherings of ten. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds really tiring. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, there's I, we're all getting a little bit tired of the virtual stuff, but you know, I still hang on the uh, let's not let's not make this worse. And so I tend to be a little more cautious with this. Like I think once we're told we can reopen, I'll probably still be pretty, um, pretty conservative, pretty cautious with it. But um, you know, I, I just hope that it's not the churches that lead the way and like cutting corners. And um, yeah, I don't know. It does feel weird. There's, I don't know what's behind it, but it does feel weird to me. I don't know. Does it feel weird to you or are there bad motives behind any of these? Or is it just people wanting to be together? Yeah, and I'm not looking to start assuming people's motives. There, yeah. the whole the whole thing. It's all twilight zone anyway. So it's it's easy, I think, to point a finger from across the country at some church making a decision differently than when I would. Um, the problem is we're not just talking about oh they went with that screen versus this screen or right. that guitar versus this guitar. Um, based on whether or not certain groups are right or wrong, this could have massive ramifications or no ramifications at all. And kind of to your point as someone that has self-admittedly said, I'm probably going to play more conservatively. It's not just about worrying about Brian Fromm's health or Four Corners health. It's like, no, this this could potentially yeah. be really, really unhelpful for a whole lot of people, or it could be nothing. And we could be overplaying it, and yeah. maybe this side yeah. is right, and this side has been too panicky. I just think, 
I, it's a weird balance because the church, you know, will preach sermons like this. We want them. Right. We want the church to be courageous and bold in the face of this, this, and this. So I think that's often kind of the narrative that's given like, no, we're reopening because now, again, we've done articles where like somebody is holding a sign that says, Jesus is my yep. vaccine. Yep. That's not good theology just in, in general, but this feels like a little more moderate, a little more down the middle. Like, okay, is it cowardice to not open when the government says we can, right. or is it wisdom? I think cowardice and wisdom often look very similar in different environments. And I don't know, pray for your leaders, pray for your churches that they navigate yeah. well, that they do it with pure motives that they're not looking to politicize or to garner attention in any unhelpful way. And I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm prayerfully just asking that we do the same thing. And yeah. that's tricky, obviously, because, you know, churches are as diverse as people are, and that's going to always land some kind of result like this. That's well put. I think what I, I am sympathetic towards the churches because I think we are or will, you know, whenever we're allowed to do this, have the conversation of like, how do you do this safely? Right. Social distancing, whatever. It's the pastors, the grandstanding ones for me are the pastors who are going, nope, we're going to do it the way we've always done it. 300 people. Come on in. Here we go. Like that's those are the ones that make me mad. Yeah, uh, right. I think the rest, it's a nuanced conversation. I think every pastor, every church uh, is going to have to wrestle with. Well, coming yeah. up next, uh, Dave Sparkman from the Crossroads Career Ministries is going to come join us. Uh, to talk about work and uh, how it's been impacted by the COVID outbreak. That's coming up next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us today on this Monday afternoon. Uh, Again, you can always find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Well, Uh, As much as Ian and I love to hear each other talk, it is always fun to get other voices here on the show, especially as we're trying to figure out and process all that's going on in our world. And with that in mind, uh, we're excited to be joined all the way from the West Coast by Dave Sparkman. Dave, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here with you guys. Absolutely. Well, Dave, uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. Well, I'm here today representing Crossroads Career. Uh, we are a national nonprofit uh, ministry aimed at helping people find, hear God calling, um, maximize their career, and find the right job. And in today's environment, uh, with unemployment reaching just huge highs, mm-hmm. uh, unprecedented highs, actually, uh, we're finding that a lot of people, we believe, can use the resources that we have available to us. So I serve as the chair of the board and um, spending about 50% of my time doing that. I am formerly from a company called Arthur Anderson and, mm. also, and also United Health Group, where I served as in the role of chief culture officer there for nine years. So I'm um, glad to be doing this on a voluntary basis, and we're just wanting to be available to help anybody we can. Dave, I love that. And I, I think what you just said was you guys help your, people hear God's calling, maximize their career, and get the right job, which I feel like as a pastor – those are questions that I'm hearing all the time. How, how exactly do you help people do that? Yeah, great question. We think we have a unique approach. Um, I've been in the HR world for over 30 years, and most of every, everything that I've been involved in in recruitment and hiring is always about the individual seeking something for themselves. Obviously, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to get a, a good job. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is a, a little bit like 
a little bit like Christ does in a paradox of most things in this world. We're, we believe that if we as Christians are truly loving uh, God as we should, if we're loving ourselves correctly, not in a narcissistic way, but loving ourselves correctly, and then loving outward through that search, we can truly have a life-changing job hunt, one that not only will change our lives, but I believe then can change the, life of the lives of the organization and the people that they work with. So the way we go about this is based on uh, Scripture. What I love most about our, our resources, it has Scripture on every page. And then, of course, it has very practical and tactical HR and recruitment strategies uh, to get a job. And so we have a seven-step methodology that we work with people to go through um, based with a lot of marketplace uh, data and a lot of people uh, that help them along the way through networking and other um, promotional aspects to then help them find that right job. Wow. Dave, how has the COVID-19 outbreak, how has it affected and impacted your work? And what are you seeing out there just with so many people losing their jobs and just the whole landscape out there right now? Well, I think it highlights a need uh, that has been there for quite some time. Even when we have record unemployment, you know, for the last 50 years of 3.5%, that was February. (laughs) Um, Yeah, right. And we still had a lot of our ministries uh, helping people because many people were not fulfilled in the work that they do. Hmm. They're simply perhaps in the wrong spot. Well, when you have a spike like we had in the last five weeks, 26.5 million unemployment claims. It's the, it's the biggest surge since we started keeping re- the DOL started keeping records in 1967. Wow. Wow. And all of a sudden, that, that need that has been there, I believe, for quite some time becomes a very recognizable need. And certainly in churches uh, all across America, we know that online is happening, but uh, much like I think churches many times have seen very obvious needs with uh, food shelves, Mm-hmm. clothing closets, other things to help people in need. This is a huge need that I believe is just out there screaming for people uh, to assist them. If wow. either of you have ever been unemployed, um, I've been unemployed a couple times. It is not a fun process to go through. Hmm. You are a very vulnerable, you're at a very vulnerable place. So for example, here's a question for you guys. When you introduce yourselves, when you meet someone for the first time, what's the first or second thing that you say? Yeah, tell them, what, what do you do? do? Yeah. What do, you do? You say, oh, my name's Dave Sparkman, and I do this. Well, when yep. you have to say the words unemployed, that's, a, that's still a paradigm in our society that is not exactly the most positive. So mm. you're, you're very vulnerable. You don't really know where to turn um, of working through an unemployment office, which is filled with great people, but right now they're overwhelmed. Right. They, can, they can't even staff the phones to help all these people that are unemployed. But yet... Mm. We at Crossroads have a website that's there all the time. There's a prayer network where we can pray for you. There is scripture, again, on every part of the resource, along, of course, with these free resources that everything from interviewing to networking to negotiating an offer to how do you look at yourself? How do you look at yourself the way God looks at you? You really really realize that you're a new creature in Hmm. Christ Jesus and that you are or can be his masterpiece Hmm. created for good works that he prepared long ago. So Ephesians 2.10 is a a life uh, verse for us at Crossroads and what we try to base our ministry on. That's so good. Dave, uh, our mutual friend, John Blumberg, actually is the one that connected you and I. And one of the things that we're doing through community is what we call community cares. And we have 
these you know 11 different teams that are trying to meet really tangible needs. And one of the things that we've found in doing this is that a lot of times people are reluctant to actually reach out for help, to actually go to the website because they're either ashamed or they feel like, nah, I don't know that I'm in as dire need as somebody else. Like, what would you say to somebody who's hearing you speak and what you guys do, but they're on the fence. They're like, not sure if they should give it a shot or if they should venture out or hop on the laptop. What, what advice or encouragement would you give to the person who's maybe, maybe possibly need, but they're not, they're kind of on the fence right now. I would say, please get off the fence and ask for help, ask Mm -hmm. for assistance. Um, People can't help that, which they don't know. And I know when I was unemployed, you don't like to go out or maybe you feel like you're nagging someone or bothering someone. I, I believe many, most people in America want to help, but they can't help if they don't know. And the, whether it's community care and the ministry there uh, or any other of our churches around America, um, I believe churches want to help. They may not know that you have a need, or they may not have the resources to do it, which is where we're trying to come alongside pastors and say, here's a free resource that you can point your congregants to or people that just come in through the church doors. For years, I uh, led the ministry at Grace Church in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and Mm -hmm. I would estimate that probably 70 to 80 percent of the people that took advantage of our Crossroads Career Ministry were not members of the church. So mm-hmm. it really became an outreach into the community to help broaden the name of Christ in that community. That's so fantastic. I just encourage people, uh, never go down alone, <laughs> reach yeah. out, ask for help. And there are many people that would be willing to uh, try to assist you. That's great. Dave, with like the two minutes we have left, I'm, I'm wondering if you could speak to that person out there who might be unemployed right now or who may have lost their job. Could you talk uh, about... Um, not wrapping our identity up in what we do and, and kind of losing that identity when we lose our job. Could you speak maybe a little bit, uh, some comfort and how God sees us versus what we do as an employment? Absolutely. We, we know that, that God sees us beyond any title that we would ever give ourselves and that we have our identity in Christ Jesus. So as our, as his adopted sons and daughters, right, we are precious in his sight. He, he yearns for us to be doing things for his glory and, and productive, as we're told in, G, in the book of Genesis. And how do we live out that mission and that faith that we have at work if we don't have work? Right. And he, he was not surprised uh, by your unemployment. He knew this was going to happen. Uh, there's a reason, I believe, in his sovereignty that he creates all of these things. I know that when I went through unemployment, when I went through being misemployed, where I wasn't being fulfilled at work, where my identity got caught up in work, when I became overemployed, right? And, mm. and work became an idol for me. Mm. All those things. He was still there as my Savior and Lord, as, as the true identity of who I am. So mm. to me, ultimately, I encourage people to remember, it's not what you do. It's why you do it and who mm. you do it for. Hmm. And we should be doing everything for the sole glory of God. And this temporary interruption, which is, I don't want to downplay that. It is dramatic. The, all the emotions that you are feeling are very real, are very real. And you may yeah. have fear. That's very normal. I would just encourage you not to be in a spirit of fear, but hmm. to reach out and get that encouragement and help from others to get through that. That's good. 
Uh, Dave, thank you so much. You've been listening to Dave Sparkman from Crossroads Career Ministries. Dave, could you remind us or tell us a website where people can go to get more information or to connect with you guys? Yes, thank you. It's crossroadscareer.org. Again, the free resources, you can reach me at dave at crossroadscareer.org. Great. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the West Coast. Enjoy the, it's probably nicer out there than it is here today. So enjoy it out there. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Thanks, Dave. Dave. Appreciate it very much. All right. Take care. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for some good news! Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, you can always find our show and, and all past shows at 1160hope.com, but also our podcast. We'd encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review, uh, particularly to hear interviews we've done. In the last segment, we just talked to Dave Sparkman about mm-hmm. uh, people who, if you've lost your job and 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 finding the career that uh, that really can uh, is what God has put on your heart. And so, a great organization. Uh, if that's the situation you find yourself in, go back and listen on the podcast. And hopefully find something there. Well, the music that you heard coming in is because in this time where especially there's a lot of bad news out there, we would like to highlight some good news. Uh, And so we're going to do that. But speaking of good news, Ian, tell me all about Thrivent. Well, I'm not just going to tell you, Brian. I'm going to tell everybody about Thrivent in this good news segment. And uh, I've said it a couple of times, maybe more than a couple I'm a Thrivent member. I love being a Thrivent member. I've been around for probably seven or eight years with Thrivent. And uh, not only are they a Fortune 500 non-for-profit, they've been around 100 years, but they like get a Christian approach to money, which, as you and I have talked about, like includes giving back and generosity and loving our neighbor. And those are things that you don't always get from financial organizations. So one, I would encourage you to go to Thrivent.com to learn more. They're awesome. Two, if you're looking for a career change, thrivent.com slash careers is where to go. If you're kind of entrepreneurial, you just like coming alongside people and helping, thrivent.com slash careers. Third, though, third piece of good news here is that because everything is kind of bonkers and upside down right now, they're hosting a whole heap of really wonderful, helpful webinars to help us navigate this weird season we're in. So all of that info is on our Facebook page, the Common Good Radio Show. But there's like three or four, maybe five more webinars coming up in the next week and a half or so. And the feedback already has been phenomenal. So figure out one of those webinars that works for you and uh, get yourself some soul care via Thriving Financial. Absolutely. So uh, this good news, particularly out of the Good News Network, you put me onto this one, goodnewsnetwork.org. It will put a smile on your face as you go around there. Uh, they, they titled it this way. This came out on Friday. Readers have reported so many good deeds, we can barely keep up. Here's 10 to get you through the day. So they made a list of 10 good deeds. And, uh, you know, sometimes we do hard-hitting things here. Sometimes we do uh, some darker, difficult things. But sometimes it's just good to put a smile on our face and be reminded of the good that people uh, are doing out there in the world. So let's work through this list. Uh, at GNN, it says, Good News Network readers each have their own examples of Corona kindness. Ooh. And, uh, there's a new word right there. So uh, let's go one by one. Why don't you start with number one? Okay, number one, please take what you need. Since 63-year-old Julia Franscona has been working from her home in Wisconsin during the pandemic and decided it would be inspiring to do something to help others. Quote, since I have to work from home now, I could structure my day any way I wanted. There's been such a demand for masks, I decided to get out my sewing machine and sew. 
She uh, she hangs them on a rack positioned in her front yard so she can give them away to people who are looking for something to protect themselves against the virus. And then there's a picture right there. It's Good just amazing. It's like one of those um, metal frames for like political signs. And it just says free. Need a mask? Hello, neighbor. Please take what you need. Stay well. And it's just various different masks hanging from uh, Ziploc bags with like it looks like a little note inside. And I just love that she structured her day in a way that she could actually provide for her neighborhood. That's awesome. Number two, this one is so good. Uh, I'll give a backstory that uh, my youngest daughter, her birthday is coming up. And so you're trying to figure out what's that look like right in the midst of this pandemic. Lots of good ideas. Listen to this idea. Uh, (laughs) Good News Network reader Andrea sent us a screen capture worthy of the best Halloween party saying my mom threw a surprise paper bag princess themed Zoom party for my sister. (laughs) Her sibling had no idea what was happening and thought she was just having a birthday call with her immediate family members. But family from around the country joined the call disguised in paper bags that they had designed. When she logged on, my mom explained that she would get to ask each guest three questions to try to figure out who they were. So many laughs, so much fun. And the picture here is hilarious. That's really, really clever. There's there's no way we're getting through all 10 of these. No, these are all too good. Uh, goodnewsnetwork.org. We posted this on our Facebook page, but go ahead and bookmark Good News Network because this, right. this stuff is needed now more than ever. Uh, number three, teachers sharing their love on Easter. Teachers from the St. Louis Parish School in Bellevue, Washington, brought their students' families to tears on Easter with a video of themselves passing around heart-filled messages. In return for the sweet ge- gesture, uh, gesture, gesture. Oh boy, gesture. Yes, I know. I, I mean, I'm aware. There's a game. I was just trying to help you. <laughs> called, called gestures, and it's always stuck in my head. It makes me second guess it every time. In return for the sweet act, the children families, uh, the school families, brought their teachers to tears after planted, they planted dozens of handmade yard signs expressing their love and gratitude. And then there's a video included of these kids with signs that they made. Just expressing their love and gratitude. I That's just cool. I love stories like this. That's cool. And don't ever second guess yourself, you know. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, number four: Hospital clowns get back to their important work from home. Thank the Lord. Uh, give some names. These people are all clowns for Healthy Humor's Red Nose Doc program, which sends performers to hospitals for children across the country to bring joy, silliness, and laughter to the bedsides of children, their worried parents, and to the hospital staff. Since being on lockdown, they've been saddened not to be able to cheer up hospital residents in person. So they created this video to try and relieve viewers of some of their worries. It's a video you could play for the kids in the hospital. Oh, so nice. Number five, pampering our nurses. Orange County Girl Scouts assembled 120 self-care kits to provide healthcare professionals with tokens of gratitude and appreciation for their heroic work on the front line of the health crisis. The troop collected a variety of fantastic donated items to include in their bags, such as essential oils, homemade sleep masks, stress balls, candies, face masks, bath bombs, energy drinks, protein bars, meditation, coloring books, chocolate, lifesavers, and, of course, Girl Scout cookies. The troop met via Zoom and each assembled the care kits in their individual homes. I love that. Number six, chili cook-off canceled, but spicy kindness results. Huh. Uh, This came out of Tennessee. She said, uh, Jennifer Thorpe wrote in, my dad has been competing in chili cook-offs through the International Chili Society across (laughs) the United States for many years now, even competing in the Chili World Championship in Las Vegas. 
Wow. Being as passionate as he is, he was devastated to learn that the cookoffs would not be happening. This past weekend, however, more than 75 chili cookoffs from around the country, including my dad, sorry, 75 chili cooks from around the country, including my dad, <laughs> took to the first virtual chili cookoff ever. My dad put his entire cooking setup up in the backyard and cooked a mess of chili. He even observed the national anthem. Much of the food that the cooks then prepared were donated to first responders, essential workers, and churches who are feeding the hungry. That's awesome, man. Number seven, kids just want to be kind. A proud mom, Marisol Mendoza, sent us this. It reads, on Easter, uh, Easter Sunday morning, Sophia and Astra Mendoza decided to bring good news to our neighborhood. The day before, they wrote about 150 handwritten notes to be distributed to the neighbors, all because they wanted to bring some positivity to the world. I just wanted people to smile and feel grateful, Sophia said after they finished the route. We are so blessed and grateful to see our kids being proactive and getting involved in serving and bringing joy to other people in the middle of this time. I know that it is just hard for an adult to be positive, but for a kid, time will pass and we will be just fine. Hmm. Number eight, letters visit these seniors when people can't. Uh, One month ago, a junior at Clifton Park, New York, launched an effort to get letters and art to senior living communities that are not able to accept visitors. He has now partnered with more than 30 facilities in upstate New York area in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and as a key partnership, Uh, with St. Peter's Health Partners to get messages to their facilities. These facilities and communities are now receiving hundreds of messages, messages, and he's looking to enroll more facilities, writers, and drawers. Okay, we're going to do it. we got a couple minutes left. We can do this. Two more. Reminder bracelets left on doorsteps. Cassandra Freeman, a self-professed mompreneur. That's amazing. A mompreneur? (laughs) Hold on. Just a quick moment of silence for that genius. Okay. She wanted to give people hope during this time of uncertainty. So she purchased a ton of wristbands with the hashtag coronavirus can't win to remind people that we will overcome this and we'll get through this. Freeman has since started leaving the wristbands in little bags on people's porches. Love it. And number 10, climbing stairs to support healthcare. People from all over the country are, quote, virtually hiking in solidarity with children in Haiti who climb the equivalent of 200 flights of stairs in order to get to school. And the effort is raising funds to support healthcare and education initiatives in 24 schools. Since there have been, uh, since there have been confirmed COVID-19 cases in Haiti, Funding from this campaign will also support critical public health programming. The Hike for Haiti Challenge runs through May 17th, and people are committing to hiking the equivalent distance that these children travel simply to access education. That is 10 bits of good news. Those really warm my heart. I'm really glad that you got us doing this. Oh, yeah. My heart is fully warmed, Brian. Fully warmed. It is full. So you can find those on our Facebook page. Also, go straight to the goodnewsnetwork.org and you can find many more stories like that. Well, speaking of good news, we are going to end this show the same way we end every show. Uh, Interweb Insanity coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. That music can only mean one thing. It's interweb insanity. It is the way we end every show, where Ian and I, we read stories from the mind of our executive producer, Keith Conrad. And, well, he doesn't make up the stories, but he chooses the stories. (laughs) He chooses the stories. So he's our filter. And uh, we read these sight unseen and uh, sometimes it makes us laugh and sometimes it makes us fear for our job. Usually this, both of those happen in the span of one segment. So 
Ian, first one's out of Alaska. Why don't you go first? I mean, to, to call him a filter is probably overstating, <laughs> don't you think? Probably, probably true. People are like, he's a filter, and this is what got through. That <laughs> concerning. All right, so this one is out of Alaska. Looking to forget about the virus? Call this number in Juneau, Alaska. Knock, knock. Who's there? Juno. Juno who? Juno, if you call 907-586-0428, you'll hear a joke that's meant to cheer you up during the coronavirus pandemic. Per the Anchorage Daily News, this is so Alaska, by the way, that was the purpose of setting up this hotline for locals, though the joke was on the city this week when the number number temporarily went offline due to so many people craving a knee slapper during these troubling times. The city commandeered the number used for its hiking program. The program is temporarily suspended during the health crisis and recruited a retired man and two high schoolers (laughs) to come up with a, quote, good, clean, corny joke. Seven days a week, a city official tells the paper, adding, people just need a laugh. Waka, waka. Like every pastor is quickly trying to write that number down right now. (laughs) I'm going to read it again just in case. 907-586-0428. Again, that's 907-586-0428. You're welcome. Awesome. You're welcome. Next one's out of Arkansas. Uh, Family creates hanging blanket for pandemic-friendly hugs. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) An Arkansas family is going viral after taking to social media to show off their invention, a plastic hug blanket to allow social distancing-compliant embraces. Uh, Paul Ayub of Conway said the plastic hug blanket was concocted by his wife, Katie, to allow the family to meet and embrace a new arrival. Hmm. It was my wife's idea that I didn't support in the beginning. It was just a crazy idea. It all spawned from the fact that my sister-in-law, Christy, is having my niece, Mariah. The blanket, which hangs like a curtain in their front doorway, was constructed from items including shower curtains, tape, and hot glue. It includes armholes with sleeves to allow for a full hug through the protective barrier. Can I have a hug? No. Give me a hug. No way. Come here. I'm not coming over there. Let's go. Forget it. Pronto. I mean, props for the ingenuity, right? I mean, that's that's a yep. okay. See, this next one, this is the these are the stories I don't want to read. This is out of England. <laughs> snake removed from inside family's toilet, and it's a big snake. I'm looking at the photo right now, and big it's snake. not a mini. Okay, an animal rescuer summoned to remove a snake from a British family's bathroom ended up pulling the serpent out of the toilet tank. The RSPCA said Joe White, an animal collection officer and exotics officer, so. Might be calling him Joe Exotics Officer. <laughs> nice. Responded, yeah, nah, nah, nah. responded last week to a home in Grays, Essex, England, on a report of a snake loose inside a home. The caller's daughter found the snake in their bathroom and was absolutely hysterical. A lot of people find snakes very frightening, myself included. So it must have been a huge shock to come across one slithering across the bathroom. Enough is enough. I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday play. Uh, next one's out of Japan. Japan mayor under fire for, quote, women, women dawdle at shops remark. The mayor of Japan's Osaka has come under fire for suggesting men should do grocery shopping during the coronavirus outbreak because women are indecisive and, quote, take a long time. I'm just reading the news here, people. Jeez, Louise. Japan is under a state of emergency over the pandemic, and residents in some areas have been asked to shop less frequently and only send one family member to get to limit contact. Uh, the Osaka mayor, Ichiro Matsui, told reports reporters on Thursday that men should be trusted with grocery runs because women, quote, take a long time as they browse around and hesitate about this and that. 
men can snap up things they are told to buy and go. So I think it's good that they add, they add, they go shopping, avoiding human contact. The 56 year old. There is no uh, there is no report as to how his wife felt about this. Hmm. Let's go already. My right, last but not least, Florida never letting us down. Girl put help get me out of here sign on window because she was oh, struggling no. with homework. Oh, no. Ah, <laughs> oh, boy. A sign that read help get me out of here alarmed Florida deputies, but it turned out a little girl just needed help with her math homework. <laughs> a maintenance worker in North Naples noticed the sign in an apartment window and notified the Collier County Sheriff's Office. When deputies arrived, they learned the 10-year-old girl's mother sent her to her room to finish her assignment. The girl decided to take an unorthodox approach, according to the Sheriff's Office. Deputies... <laughs> learned that she wrote the impassioned plea on a piece of paper and then placed it against the window of her bedroom. While we were happy to know that no one was in danger, we totally related to the frustration that comes with math homework, according to a statement. The deputy provided the family with his personal cell phone, saying the child can call any time with homework questions to avoid another scary call to service. It was my understanding that there would be no math. All right, so we ended with a pretty nice story there. Right? He yeah. gave me a cell phone number. Okay, it's good. It's better than the snake story or the J- Japanese mayor. Better than those. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of the stories we didn't like, Brian. <laughs> Goodnewsnetwork.org, right? That's it. Yes, well done. So we're glad you joined us on this Monday. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 until 6 p.m. For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.